Hi, and welcome to Spartan Speak, a product of the Lansing State Journal, Detroit Free Press, and USA Today Network. I am Graham Couch, the Lansing State Journal, alongside my colleague from the Detroit Free Press, Chris Solari. Uh, it is Monday morning, post-Michigan, Michigan State, and Ann Arbor, an interesting scene on Saturday night that we are uh, recording here. Chris, how you doing, man? I'm doing well. How about yourself? All things considered, with what's happened over the course of the past week, it's uh, doing okay. Yeah, no, it's uh, relative to a lot of people. I have a, a charmed existence, and I try not to take that for for granted. Um, yeah. I, well, I, I do think like the big thing is that both of us being part of this community, both the you know MSU coverage community, and you know how you having grown up here, me having gone to school there, they're obviously. There obviously are, are a lot of emotions that go along with it. So um, knowing people that were involved in some capacity or another kind of kind of makes it hit home a little no, bit. No, it, it, it is interesting because, you know, there, there, there are lots of different levels to which people are affected. Yeah. And and sometimes, you know, and I think it, it's, it's one thing to be um, like we are. It's one thing to be an alum who feels a certain way about the university is your place. And then every once in a while, I'm reminded because I'll talk to a, um, you know, a parent or somebody who's a student will reach out and who's legitimately really traumatized right now and yeah. having trouble. And and it, you remind how raw and recent it is. I mean, we are recording this less than a week out from when it happened. A week ago at this time, I had just written a column about Joey Hauser playing at Ohio State, right? It just, you're in a very different place. And, you know, there were funerals on saturday and there are there's uh you know somebody whose spine was severed in the hospital and there are other people i mean it, it is a very still a very raw experience and you talk about the being a member of this community and you know i see these these media um postings uh by the msu police today about media advisories to be sensitive talking to students and i get i get annoyed not not so much because the fact that there are media out there who aren't and and I want to just go out there and tell everybody who's not part of this community because this is our community too. We have every right to be out there. We have a job to do. Right. We need to do it tactfully. We need to tell their stories if they want to tell their stories. Uh, but I want to tell everybody else to kind of, you know, piss off. <laughs> you know, you're not here. You won't be here in the long haul. You know, just just get out of here. Um, no, I've obviously heard from a lot of people within the the industry who are MSU alums that aren't happy with some of that as well. So you're not alone with that. No. It, yeah, it's, it's, it's frustrating. It is part of our business that's not my favorite thing. Um, and, um, you know, I, I wish I'd, when I was out there that original night, none, none of that, I didn't see any of that. And I really haven't been, like, interviewing kids on campus since. And so I haven't seen it. But I, I kind of wish, it, this is sort of my version. You always make fun of me for my version of what I would have done if I had been in the tunnel that night at Michigan. Saying that uh, I would have broken things up, uh, not the whole thing, but the the part that was right in front of you guys, um, and who knows what I would have done. But this is my, my I, I think the same way about that. I wish I'd been out there to witness some reporters being jerks or being insensitive, because I would have just called them out and taken them down. And and uh, but that's my own issue, and a lot of it has to do with television journalists because I only think they're about you know. And we have some really good TV people locally, but there are a lot of people in TV who aren't really journalists. They're just, you know, I don't know. Well, let's not get into that. Um, they wanted to be on TV and they found their way to do so. Well, that got sidetracked, but I think that's one of these is the time where that can happen. So let, let's go, let's go to Saturday night. 
Yeah, and I, I think the well, the big thing that kind of brings it back around is we're, we're obviously keenly aware that in the moment basketball is, <clears throat> you know, we talk about it being a diversion, and that's really at this point what it is for the yeah. community. Is it kind of heals and mends, it gets back into whatever no, a normal becomes now, and but getting back towards a rhythm that that was completely disrupted. So Saturday was a scene we'll never see again. The MSU shadows being played at Chrysler, you know, the green fluorescent lights with a dimmed, all the Spartan strong stuff, just a, a, a more welcoming atmosphere than you'll ever see there, which, which I think is. We hope we'll never see again. Right. That's a great point. We're all humans here. Um, I think that there are, there's a lot of toxic stuff in that rivalry, but I, I do hope that this is a reset. Not that it won't get, somewhat ugly again it's going to be fierce it's going to be intense it should be there are lots of feelings pent up from a sports standpoint between those in school standpoint between those two universities i do hope this is a reset that like brings it down and now it has to build up to whatever it was and, yeah. and we lose a little of the ugliness that we've dealt because I it was completely agree with that credit to michigan and their fan base and the university because um, there has been a lot of compassion and empathy, because I think do, people do realize that this very well could have happened on Michigan's campus. It could have, like Tom Izzo said last week, this could have happened on at Eastern Michigan. It could have happened at Central Michigan. It could have happened at Northern Michigan. I mean, it's the, uh, the unfortunate reality of what we are. And that's what I said about hopefully we never have to see this again, because quite honestly, you know, you, you do get to a point where these tributes are amazing in the moment, but you don't want to see a second one because you know that they come with they come with a very heavy price tag. And they're um, not—it's it's not that they're sports. And it's not that they're hollow because I believe this right. is here, but I, I just think they don't. It doesn't change anything, right? I mean, I think you know, for me, it was it was interesting, and I, I've tried to do this. I've tried to. I think it was the the the, the Fraser kid who was being the the video of him his coffin being that was, pulled in you know yeah. or, or carried in to his funeral that you know th- so that was what somebody else was doing Saturday before the game like you know like that's a really hard deal and um, so you, you remember you remember that as you begin to cover a game I did think like I, I know there are people some that question the sincerity of some of the stuff with Michigan like they were kind of forced into do it and and I'm sure there are some Michigan fans that. Didn't really want to do any of that stuff, but most people are decent people, and I think you you realize this is just a and and you this is just something different and something that that makes the the, the sport of it all irrelevant. That said, once the game began, Chris, I thought it felt like a pretty normal night, which was cool. Uh, it was somewhat needed, and and I thought Michigan State, you know, had plenty of energy. Plenty of execution didn't look like like you could. There there are times where there are things that happen in life that where you get these games like this. Um, and I mentioned I think last week that I covered the Northern Illinois Western Michigan game in two thousand eight, right after the Northern Illinois shooting. It was the first event back, and there just been so much stuff. And both teams looked no legs, like exhausted, like it was mostly spent, like there had been a lot of build up to it, and a lot of a lot of media there more than they were used to. Neither team looked like that. Michigan came out on fire, looked look, look great. They looked like, you know, a team that should be in the NCAA tournament. They got a lot of work to do to get there. Um, but in Michigan State, I thought for most of that game, played really good basketball. 
And uh, so I don't think I think that was a a sign that they were uh, that they'll be okay moving forward there. Yeah, I I mean obviously I think they they did run out of gas down the stretch a little bit. I mean partly, I mean the job that they did for about twenty eight thirty minutes on Hunter Dickinson was fantastic. I mean all three of those guys in the post did uh, a good job of walling him off. They did a good job of getting doubled help. I mean thought it was I mean they you know times though always gets yelled at for doubling the post, but you saw, you know, Hauser coming at him. I think they threw Walker at him at times. I think he threw Hogart at him at times. And they gave him a bunch of different looks on the double team, which I think caused some some problems. And I mean Dickinson only had, I think, seven points until the last 12 minutes of the game when he, you know, finished strong. Maybe even in the last eight minutes that he really kind of caught fire. Uh but you know the big thing that we saw um you're right about the rhythm. I think the offense, I mean, they hadn't scored over 70 since the Rutgers game that they won at home, and they only done it twice since New Year up until that point. The problem, though, is they, they gave up the most points they've given up all year uh, against the Michigan team. And, you know, Some of it was their inability to stop Doug McDaniel. Uh, some of it was when they when Juwan went to the double bigs with, with Reed, who killed them, down the stretch and and Dickinson who hit that big three with Buffkin that I think were those were the two big things that and the rebounding component I mean they gave yeah. up uh I mean and that's they got 14 offensive rebounds I know four of them were in one possession but there that's been a, an ongoing issue all season so I mean a lot of the flaws that you saw again basketball is kind of irrelevant but you know a lot of the flaws that you saw ended up contributing to their demise down the stretch there particularly yeah. in the post and i thought they were basketball issues right not issues of you know mental exhaustion you're right they did wear down but a lot of that had to do with they were just you know who their person yeah, i really was. thought when tyson walker hit that three you know it was about three minutes left they were right there because it was a counterpunch game the whole way they, they were right there and and to be honest if that if that first if that ball doesn't bounce that air ball the three-pointer yeah. doesn't bounce off joey hauser and go out of bounds and then Buffkin hits that, you know, and and you know, it's somewhere between. I, I've heard it described as one of the biggest shots and great shot, and also a prayer. It's somewhere in between. It was a tough shot, but it was a great shot. You know, if he doesn't hit that though, very difficult shot, which he probably makes, you know, two out of ten times, which would also be one out of five if I do the math. I don't believe, like I believe that game may end differently. Not that Michigan State would have won, but. You know, it wound up being a twelve-point game. It was a tie point game, a tied game inside of two minutes, and that it's just a very different finish down down to the wire. I think. Uh, I thought the other thing that that will hurt Michigan in the long run, but help them strangely, was Jet Howard's injury, because immediately, you know, Juwan Howard, to his credit, went to the two bigs with Terrace Reed and Dickinson, and that gave Michigan State the most the most trouble. He, those two played the final eight fifteen together. Yeah, you can, they, this team can't defend six ten and seven one. No, no. Well, in the problem, At the same I think, time, I think the larger problem for Michigan State is we've kind of known that we, you know, we've seen yeah. Hauser guard a five and uh, last year and it doesn't work. And, and and I think they've done a nice job of keeping him away from that. Like they try to even when they go small, they go with Hall guarding the five a lot because I think the the effect on Hauser on the other end is real. But I also think the, the problem they have, and maybe this will change because Hall looked much more comfortable, played his best game uh, since November. They have not been able to, when they go with that small lineup, punish people on the other end. It is it is okay when you go small. You're giving up something. If you're if you're unable to uh, 
have a you know to, to have an answer defensively for Hunter Dickinson and Terrace Reed when you're playing Malik Hall and Joey Hauser. Understandable and good. The the idea of that lineup is though at the other end they don't have an answer for you, and yeah. so when you're unable to make teams pay for that, and they haven't been all year with that lineup when they've been able to play that lineup, um, I that's then the lineup's kind of a, a, a fruitless group because you're not able to play your S five and it doesn't make sense. Here, here's a question for you, Chris. What right now do you think is their best five? I know who their best five players are, but you know who? What is their best five against a team that has? Let's not. Most teams don't have two legitimate centers, but against a team that has one legitimate, good big, and and a normal team, what is their best five? That's a that's a tough question because I do think one of the things that you see. Um, well, first of all, just kind of going back to those last. You know, guarding those bigs. I mean, Izzo's got to have a little more trust in Jackson Kohler and, and Carson Cooper, particularly when they were playing well early. I mean, Cooper didn't play the last six minutes and Kohler didn't play the last 14 plus. Um, you know, when Sissoko gets into foul trouble, you got to have them. That said, kind of going back to your question, um, you know, when those guys are in there, you you have to have kind of Malik Hall there as kind of a on the opposite side of them is kind of a mentally stabilizing force, you know, as a guy who knows where to be defensively. Um, so I don't necessarily know if it's like the best five as it is. Sometimes you got to have pairs, you know what I mean? You know, just who pairs well, you know I mean? If you can pair the three guards and pair the two bigs, you know, you can, you can go with Hauser and Sissoko. I mean, Sissoko, He's an offensive liability. I mean, we can at this point in the season, you can you just look at it. And I mean, the dunk that he tried to have far away from the rim is something that a guy that has played a lot of basketball would be able to handle. But a guy that like in his situation, you know, is working on adrenaline and probably should have gone for a layup there. But like I, I but at the same point, defensively, he and Hauser, I think, match up the best. And I think that's what you've seen. And then from there, I mean, Akins is playing so well, you can't really take him out of the lineup. Um, you know, I mean, can you play Hall more at the three, maybe, in that instance, and then move Akins to the two? And then, I mean, quite honestly, A.J. Hogard has had his issues, too. I mean, maybe maybe it's Walker, Akins, Hall, and Sissoko and, and Hauser. I mean, so that I, might be your five best. Yeah, it's a yeah. tough question. It's a tough question, right? Because you're right. And like that Sissoko missed, like that's a turnover in a sense. Like you, you know, and yeah. you have to start treating certain things as such. And I understand that, you know, that but you also, like you said, you put yourself in such a, a bind when you go up against bigs by going with Hauser and Hall together. Um, totally. And, and, but here's, so here's the question. The question that becomes like, and, and I still believe that, that Mari Sissoko is their best defender. There were moments in that game where I thought Carson Cooper was really good on that end and really good at screening and doing other things. And like, so that the, the thing that that gap is closing and, and, or even Kohler's case, his offense is growing to a point and you see the way he seals angles and the guys trust him throwing the ball and just that he'll catch it and whatever that you start. It's like the small ball thing, right? At some point you're getting enough on the other end that you you're willing to give up, but you're just not getting on, on you know, well, you don't get defensively. And I think those are all – I think that's the toughest part for the staff right now is what lineup – and I, th- I don't think it's the same every game because there are games where Sissoko's matchup works better for him and he plays with a little more confidence. There are games where the matchup for one of the freshmen is better. And I think you're seeing it now like 
you got to keep starting Sissoko for this reason. One, I think it's part of his identity for him. I think he's a guy who's lost some confidence. You, you, you're going to need him. You don't want to lose him in terms upstairs. Yeah. But and, and I still think good. I still think the upside's there. I I, I think you, you know a lot, a lot of people have gotten really down on him. I mean, you knew he was raw coming in, um, and this is his first real long stretch of basketball. People aren't but, people, really in his life, but people aren't down on him. They're down on the decision to make him the starting center, and that I wasn't think his people fault. Are down on him. Well, I, yeah, I've but but that people down on him and hurt a lot of people that are down on him. Because, but that's not, I mean, and a lot of it's because his inability to catch the ball right now. But that's not his fault. It, it, it's his fault that I mean, he is. It, well, yeah, I mean, it's his fault he's in that position, right? Correct. Well, it's not his fault he's in that position, right? I mean, his, some people have hands they don't. Like, I, uh, some people are, can shoot. They, some people can't. Like, the thing with him that is still, when you talk about upside still being there, he has not played a lot of basketball. And so you still don't know where that could go. He doesn't have great instincts with the game. Like, he is the, the tum-tum Naren of centers in that sense. He, like, he's a guy, if I were dissecting an off-season plan, it would begin with, well, you're going to run, you're going to play with your, your play, you're going to work on skill development with your coaches, you're going to play in the pickup runs with your teammates at MSU, you're going to play at Moneyball at night, and then you're going to play four games a day at the Y, at the MAC, at the at every place with old men who know how to play the game, and you're going to dominate, but you got to get a feel for things. you just got to play. you got to play a hundred times you know, a day. you just got to play and play and play and play and play and get the instincts, And because I see that with Akins in him. I see Akins is the one who I think likes Mahdi and gets most frustrated with Mahdi and sort of you can see he's trying to be polite, but he doesn't trust he's going to be where he's supposed to be or 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 see the same thing that he sees in that moment. And that's the hardest thing when you have guys on. And so this is why I think the Kohler Cooper thing is is interesting. We're seeing Kohler come into the game earlier now as soon as Mati's not playing well. is It's not just how those guys play. It's the effect those guys have on their teammates because their teammates now know they're on the court with a guy who sees the game the way they see it. Um, you've seen him occasionally get some some run at the four. Oh, they put Cooper great. at the four largely then too, right? I mean, that was I'm trying to think. I think that was. I more. mean, there, there were a lot of stretches where he's playing the four. I mean, there. But that's you, because Reed was in the game too. Yeah, well, you talk about some high upside. I mean, you know, this kid's a freshman who was totally. off the radar a year ago at this time, and all of a sudden his blossom. I, I I thought both Cooper and Kohler had very good games. I mean, defensively, you still know Kohler a work in progress, but Cooper has been maybe the biggest surprise of this whole team. It, I mean, imagine if, if Carson Cooper hasn't developed as rapidly as he had since the summer where this team would be in the post. Since November. I mean, we, we remember watching yeah. him against Gonzaga, Gonzaga and even Kentucky. Like, you couldn't have him on the floor. His plus minus. Well, he, he, he wasn't allowed on the floor against Gonzaga. Right. Well, even Kentucky, though, his plus minus was just awful. It was like you're right. trying – even back then, you were trying to survive with one of those two guys for minutes. And that back then, you thought Sissoko was going to be fine. And the, and the backup was the, the question. I, yeah, I mean, I think as you look at the position long term, it's fine. Like, you don't need to go get a transfer this offseason because, you know, you've got – Yeah, this team's young- different next year with, with uh, Xavier Booker and Cohen Carr coming in. Correct. And you've got two – And then you can maybe players. slot these guys into better roles at that point. But you can't – you know, you can't bring them in now. Um, no, what I mean, but you also you have two young bigs who are are, are, are going to. This is a big off season. They'll they'll oh, in terms yeah. of weight weight room and other things. Those guys are going to grow into something. And yeah, and, and the uh, things that they have uh, that 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 Sissoko doesn't is a lot of basketball experience already and pretty yeah. good IQ. I think both of those yep. guys. Uh, you know, Kohler right now, I think is just 
it's more about learning what he needs to do and how to do it. Um, Cooper, I think, is more about the physical side of adding weight and bulk um, to, to be able to do it because he's positionally been very good, I thought. You know, and you can't, you know, and there was the one possession down the stretch um, where Izzo had Malik Hall trying to guard Dickinson and Dickens just Dickinson just spun around him with a quick post move. And I mean, he, he admitted afterward that he hasn't practiced Malik at that position at all. And it was, it was, you know, but that's a point right there where instead of doing that, put one of those young guys in there to try and give them a, a, a chance to, to show what they had done for the, the 17 combined minutes they had played throughout the game. So I think the, the thing becomes now, it's not, you know, you're not worried about the center position moving forward. What what you're worried about is can you get enough out of it this year? And and, and that's where the, the angst is. The question then also is, and to me, there are, that is not going to be a strength. There are going to be some limitations. You hope the young guys continue to grow into it. You hope Sissoko is the best he can be. You hope your small ball lineup finds some ways to hurt people. But I also think the ultimate question is, do you have enough? Can you do enough elsewhere to make up for that weakness? Like in the in, in five of the eight games they've given up 10 or more offensive rebounds, they've won the game. So it's not like that's automatically something that just triples them. I, I do think that Malik Hall, the way he played, the smoothness he had, the confidence he had, I think the connectedness you brought up earlier, Chris, I think that was really important. And, and that was at a different level than we've seen. I think Jade Nakin's progress. So those are tangible things where there's ceiling to go where we haven't seen this team play their best game. And I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that you had two guys in Hall and Aikens whose years have been disrupted, that have disrupted the makeup of this team uh, in terms of how they've been you know, woven into it. And the team was sort of formed without them in a lot of ways. And that is good right now because it creates an opportunity for something new at the end of the year that wouldn't be there if those guys had been there all along. I completely agree. I mean, Hall and, I think Hall and Aikens both played – among their best games in, in in Ann Arbor, there early in the game, I mean, you saw Jaden Akins making things happen at both ends. You know, whether it be a drive and kick out, whether it be, you know, getting that steal and going in transition and throwing down a dunk. Defensively, he was a lot of places. Although they did struggle, they struggled, I think, with Buffkin and McDaniel quite a bit on, on the perimeter. More of that was, I think, Tyson Walker and Hogard's struggles. But but Aikens has really kind of taken that, I don't want to say ascent, because I still think he's got a lot more to do. We've seen him, we've seen him attack the boards, and it seems like he's getting more boards than he is. He saved him. He, he, was a, he was our leading rebounder. He saved him. He had five rebounds and he was he's the guy. Oh, no, but I, I'm saying like up. he like he, the way he's aggressively going to the glass, yeah. yeah. Sometimes I mean, those five rebounds sometimes seem and feel like 10 because mm-hmm. They're either big moments or they're, they're loud. Love yep. everybody. Yeah. Loud rebounds, if you could. And Hall, I mean, there were some moves. There was a, he missed the shot, but there was a jump step into traffic between two guys in the post that he attacked the basket. We haven't seen that Malik Hall since the beginning of the year. And this is yeah. the first time, think about this. This tells you about Malik Hall's year. This is the first time he's played six games in a row all season. How do you build a rhythm at that point? So you got to still keep him healthy um, because he needs to keep that progress going. You know, the goal is to try and get him back where he was playing at the beginning of the year before the stress reaction. I don't know if they can do that, but that it does help alleviate some things. But 
he was, I thought, you know, he, you saw the best of Malik Hall at times in that game where he was comfortable and willing to shoot outside. Um, there were a few moments of hesitation still, but I think he, he pulled the trigger. Um, I still think that his shot's a little flat and you know, that's, I think getting his feet back under him a little bit, but he also showed the ability, the, the, the willingness to attack off the bounce and, and get in there. And that, that changes them. If they got two guys that can come from the wings with those, with Aikens and Hall, that'll attack you. Um, that, uh, that now all of a sudden gives Hauser, gives Walker a little bit of freedom and, and, and breathing room for some outside shots that I think they're going to need. I mean, you know, this is, I think they finished seven and 19 in this game and three of those were Hauser. So, and two of them were Hall. So, I mean, there's, there's definitely, I mean, it, it is as tough as, cause like Izzo said, you know, this was the storybook ending is they win this game and they go back to East Lansing. And for a few more minutes, they feel just a little bit of calmness and, and I guess joy uh, over the win. But there were, I thought there were things to look, you know, as, as many issues as there were, I think there were also a lot of things you can see again, where, building blocks towards the the postseason that this might be a little different team once it once the calendar turns to march yeah no i I think it was both the most promising and yet discouraging game all at once because of some of the problems that aren't good and and so the let's spin it forward then because i i do think like you know Izzo keeps alluding to the idea of making a run like he feels i think he feels like he's got a squad that can do it the indiana game tuesday night at breslin is going to be uh, an emotional scene that yeah. can help and hurt. Uh, I've seen, you know, you talk about emotional exhaustion, late game, game where you've kind of been getting up for it all day. Sometimes those are the ones where you don't have any legs. The flip side is we've also seen emotional games there where it, it, the crowd is just elevates them. And, and it's, it's a, it's a, it'd be an interesting setting. They know what Indiana is. They've lost that game before. It's a challenging game. Indiana's playing pretty well. And it's an opportunity that, that, uh, you know, if you want to get to, uh, you know, 11, eight or 12 and eight, we'll see what happens to the Minnesota game. And I want to touch on that in a minute briefly, but you know, if, if you want to have a chance at like a six seed in the NCAA tournament and even perhaps the double buy, though, I think the Minnesota game is probably important for that in the big 10 tournament. The, this is a, this is a game you got to find a way to, to get. Yeah. I mean, there's no question. And it, it, it I think it's going to be very interesting to see what the, the crowd is like. You know, there have been events on campus. The women played, and I know they had a really good crowd, but that's always been more of a community crowd than a student crowd. You know, I'm curious to see how the students come back because it's still raw. I mean, you know, it's still raw for them. And, you know, like people say, and I think Izzo said this, and a lot of people have said, you know, that you're able to kind of put things away for two hours from the real world, two or three hours to just kind of decompress a little bit. You know, this this could be uh, an ability for them to for the students not, you know, to just uh, just get away mentally for for a bit. And I don't know. I mean, it's from a team standpoint, you know, defense is I mean, Indiana dissected them down in in Bloomington um, and that that defense that you saw at Michigan, I think, is where the focus wasn't there. From well, from so, that, and I think that's some of it. I think some of it also was the and then again, if you're you're you got to stop Trace Jackson Davis. That's been an issue. That's yeah. that, and that's the big thing. I think that from you know we talk about the the issues that they've had in the post. You know they got to find a way to focus and stop Jackson Davis and try and make others beat them. 
Or, or, or Race Thompson. Remember, Race Thompson didn't play in that first game very much for for Indiana too. So that, that's another size component that comes into play that I, I guarantee Mike Woodson was looking at. Yeah, the other thing, or you just gotta stop everybody else, and you know, and because they they've kind of picked the double poison, they drank from both cups, and uh, so to speak, at, at at Indiana, where they they were not uh, good on their rotations, they were giving up threes, and they were getting schooled by by Trace Jackson Davis. Like you got to kind of do one or the other, and and Indiana shot well from from three, and and so that yeah. that'll be an interesting. Hold- Holding court at home is big. I mean, we're we're talking strictly from a basketball standpoint now. Forget about mm-hmm. you, know, you can't forget about what else has been happening. But you know, put that aside for a minute. Strictly from a basketball standpoint, what they need to hold court at home um, with this game, with the Ohio State game, and whenever they get the Minnesota game, people say, well, they're in the tournament field right now. The one thing you can't do is have a collapse. I know it's a full body of work, but you can't have, you know, the the you you got to be able to win. You got to get hey, some more. I think you got to get at least two more wins here. I was pretty sure it was ten wins, and that was including Minnesota. That was, and we'll see. You know, and and that was that's a quad four home win that, that doesn't really give you a lot. So one more win somewhere, yeah, but, maybe, but, but maybe it doesn't enough. give you the loss. Is the important thing, right? It's so not the, what the win gives you. It's that what the loss would do to you. But if there's no game with Minnesota, I mean, then then nine wins. Who knows? Might yeah. might technically be enough. That that is interesting too. People have asked a lot about whether that game would be made up. There's no clear window. One of the challenges is, as I understand it, is is there's a, a state, basketball state tournament in Nebraska that prevents it from going that that Thursday that before the senior day before like the March second day. And I'm talking about moving the Nebraska game here. Sorry, I, I should tell this story yeah. better. I got a, kind of a spider for head for storytelling. It just sort of. So, there's no well, the first. The first component that makes it difficult is that Minnesota's got a makeup game, and we're recording Monday night. They've got a makeup game tonight yeah. with Illinois that was postponed before the MSU game because of COVID issues with the Gophers. So that right. obviously condenses things on Minnesota's side of their schedule. There's no, there's no perfect date left. The, the 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 thing that would make the most sense in some ways is for Michigan State to move its game at Nebraska to Thursday, a week from this Thursday. And play Tuesday night against Minnesota at home. the The problem is that they, Nebraska doesn't have the avail, ability to do that because their uh, gym is is in use for a state tournament. So the, the it, really to get that game in without it being a back to back or with it being a reasonable game, unless they move Senior Day to Sunday, uh, the the fourth to the fifth, the and, and play a Friday night uh, or, or something. But that's back to back for Minnesota, which plays, I believe that the the the, tree, the key would be moving. Minnesota Rutgers to Tuesday night, if both teams agree to that, allowing Minnesota to play Thursday at Breslin Center. That That's sort of the dynamic. I, I think that could work. Now, I don't know where they are. I, where this game has value, it's very little value in the NCAA tournament. It has value in terms of revenue, to what degree that's important right now. I don't know, but they do plan for these home games. And it has value as well in terms of the double buy in the Big Ten tournament. I, I, you know, you just look at the log jam. There's a very good chance that the difference between 11 and eight and 12 and eight is the difference. There's a chance that that's the difference between getting a double buy in the Big Ten tournament and having to play Thursday versus Friday. And so there is value in it. The, the thing you have to question though is if, if squeezing that game in is going to affect another game. And so maybe you beat Minnesota, but you pr- lose somewhere else because you're you're t- if you lose if you find a way to get that game in, but you wind up losing the weekend to Ohio State on short rest. 
that's no good. That doesn't do you any good. So you you have to yeah, playing playing in Iowa is always going to be tough, no matter yeah. what. I mean, I, Iowa looks really. But that's before it anyway. Yeah, right. Yeah, but it, it, I'm just saying, like, yeah. you know, those are games that are in there that you know, you know, that and the Ohio State game. I mean, you know, you could say that they're, uh, you know, I mean, just based on how Iowa's playing, based on how Ohio State's playing. You know, you you think you can pencil them in as potential wins, but Iowa's uh, not a, not on the road, right? Yeah, not, yeah, not on the road. Yeah, Any, yeah. I mean, one thing we've seen is anybody can win on the road, or anybody can can lose on the road. I mean, home court has been kind of the big deal this year. Not surprising, but so also a reminder: we were recording this at ten a.m. or in the morning here on on uh, Monday, so we'll both be here shortly at an ISO press conference. Where there could be updates. So if you're if you're listening to this, yeah. you know after you know afternoon and something's developed in terms of the Minnesota game or something like that, that that you know you can just fast forward through this part of the uh, discussion. Chris, maybe come back later in the week. We'll, we'll figure out whether it makes sense to come back, um, you know, later in the week or or wait till next week. And uh, but yeah, um, I, mean, and I think I do think that we'll probably end up now that we're getting a little closer to the postseason for more. From a programming standpoint. Yep. We'll, our frequency will build back up yep. again. You know, basketball season is a little different than football season in terms of trying to trying to get this into our schedules, uh, but also because things change so rapidly that you know that's sometimes makes it a little different than dealing with the football where you've got a, you know, game on Saturday and then another game on Saturday and then another game on Saturdays. Yeah. The storyline doesn't been, this, has, this schedule hasn't been great for us to record podcasts. Quite no, it's, it's not been perfect for us. Um, well, yeah, well, I, I, we appreciate everybody listening. We hope everybody's doing okay out there and, um, Absolutely. you know, and, uh, this, this pod, you know, it's too, is a, a distraction and your life is life is you're, you're healthy and your people are healthy and all that, all that good, good stuff. Um, this is a production of the Lansing State Journal, Detroit Free Press, and USA Today Network. Rate, subscribe, uh, all that good stuff, and uh, or throw fruit at us when you see us. Either all, all of it, all of it works. And uh, we will, we will talk to you very soon. Thanks for listening.